of Ephesians, book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Ephesians chapter 4. Appreciate you being in church tonight. It's a privilege to be here. What a good song that is. Well, glory in the cross. And uh, it's been a good day in the music today. I appreciate it. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go to a familiar passage and I'm going to draw your attention to a verse which is probably equally familiar in the passage. But we're going to be giving some attention tonight to a part of the verse which probably is not taught as often and uh, yet is very much worthy of us learning tonight. Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, look if you will in verse 29. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it, that which comes out of our mouth, may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I draw your attention back up, especially to verse 29, which sort of launches the rest of the verses as it is positioned between uh, the admonitions and the commands given in the previous verses about the change of behavior, change of life we're supposed to display as a Christian. And then in verse 29, of course, the very familiar part of that verse says, let no corrupt communication. That was a little bit of a corrupt communication there. Uh, Can't say communication, that's bad. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But then the attention tonight, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it, the good communication, that which edifies, may minister grace to unto the hearers. And I want to speak to you this evening on the subject of ministering grace. Ministering grace. Very uh, straightforward to the point message tonight. I hope you come, uh, spiritually speaking, willing to have heart surgery done tonight. Um, just allow the Lord to, to reach in and get a hold of you and allow us to let the Word of God examine us and uh, see what we're doing. And, and, and this great opportunity we have to use our speech to minister grace to actually um, come alongside Christ and help others in their life. God's given us the ability of communication, the ability uh, to speak to one another, to teach, to, to help one another. And uh, God wants us to use it for the right right thing. Let me pray with you and then let's begin. Father, it's been a good evening already. Uh, that last song there is a great reminder. And uh, Lord, may we always glory in the cross. Now tonight, Lord, you know I very much desire... Uh, just to stay on track exactly with what you once said tonight. I don't want to veer away from anything at all that you once said. I also don't want to add in. Lord, I have. I like to chase rabbits, and you know that. And I don't want to do that. I want to just stay on course and stay right with it tonight. I've, I've, I've tried to study for this, but I need your power tonight to preach it the way you want it preached. And I pray you open people's hearts. And may, please, Lord, may tonight be a beginning point of someone's understanding. May their eyes open uh, to this truth. And then their life go forward with it. I feel, Lord, like I'm pleading with you for the lives of some of the people I'm speaking to and the lives of their relationships. And God, I pray you'll help and move in this service. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amazing statement. 
that it says that we can minister grace. Grace is a great word. Uh, I'm telling you, all of grace is my story. All the way from earth to glory. I love that song. Wonderful grace of our living Lord. Grace that exceeds my sin and my guilt. What a great theme of it, it is. Uh, the grace of God. There's the uh, acrostic for it. God's riches at Christ's expense. That certainly spells out part of it. But it's God's uh, power and His favor, His mercy uh, given to us that we may serve Him. We can tell others about Him. What a great thing grace is. You have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, the Bible says. We stand because of grace. We have access to that grace by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God wants us also to be stewards of that grace and He wants us to be ministers of it. If you would think of minister, a minister as someone who does something instead of just a position that's held, it will help you to understand that word in the Bible. Ministering means that you are meeting the need that's in front of you. That you are taking care of something. That you are, that you are uh, actively uh, uh, trying to meet a need and to fill, fill what you see that needs done. That's the idea of ministry. Uh, people do, tend to think of minister as a title. Um, I think of someone who's uh, formally and maybe officially employed in the service of a church. And uh, they tend to think about that. But a minister and ministering is the idea of, of doing good for those for whom you can do good. And using, listen to this, using what God's allowed you to learn to help someone else grow. Using what God's allowed you to go through to help others grow. This is all part of ministry. And, and this, this says it right here. Look at the Scripture there. It says, uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. First of all, it's evident the fact corrupt communication has no meritorious value. It, it doesn't do anything good. Uh, that, that's why things uh, like uh, innuendos and uh, uh, these type of things in speech and, and when, when people will take and they will, they will use words, euphemisms, uh, people will throw in words to take the place of curse words. How foolish that is. And by the way, how wicked that is. It's a, it's a habit that ought to be completely forsaken by God's people. Uh, you want to use something that's that close to a, a vulgar word. And what happens is, you say, I didn't say the vulgar word, no, but everybody who heard you, you took their mind in a bad place. And you are responsible for it. You will answer to the God of heaven for every word you speak just like I will. And be served notice. You have no excuse. You were, you were told that. And it's scriptural. We'll give account for every idle word. And when we use words that lead people's minds into a place that's not right, that's, that's a very bad, bad use of a great power uh, that uh, God's given us. You know, if someone, is, uh, if someone were a, a police officer and they, they use that role to intimidate and to try to do things that were unlawful and, and try to impose things were not lawful for them to impose, that person would be uh, guilty of the abuse of power. But do you understand this? God's given us a great power in our speech. We ought to never be guilty of an abuse of power. We ought to never use it for the wrong thing. And, and, and so, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But, instead of that, okay, we know we can do that, but instead of that, that which is good. Why? To the use of doing what, church? Building up with edifying. That's what edifying is. It's to build... That it, that good speech, may minister grace unto the hearers. What do we minister with our speech? In our day-by-day life, what do we minister with our speech? God wants us to be ministers of grace with our speech. 
In other words, we get involved in what Christ is involved with, ministering grace as we go along. Let me give you just a quick thoughts with it, all right? The, first of all, it provides opportunity for growth. These are things that grace does. It provides opportunity for growth. Listen to the words from 2 Peter 3. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. And you have to listen quickly. It's not a lengthy message tonight. I want you to get these. Grace provides opportunity for growth. I am not trying to remain saved. I am not trying to earn my salvation. I am operating as a child of God and my relationship with my Heavenly Father is secure because of Jesus Christ. Because of that, I have growth and I have the capacity for growth because I have room for it in grace. Um, Grace, I wrote this statement down, accepts someone where they are without being satisfied with them being less than they can be. Grace doesn't say, it's okay if you continue in an erroneous way. Grace, if you're the appropriate person to do it and it's an appropriate setting, will try to warn a brother. Will try to strengthen. Will, as the book of James says, will try to convince him of the error of the way. Why? That you might pull him back from the edge of things. Now, that's not something for everybody to do with everybody. And you certainly have to have the right timing. There's some people that's just inappropriate for one person to do that to the other because they're not going to receive it and it's not your place to do it and that sort of thing. And it's never, never the right thing to come at it in, in a domineering, uh, critical way. And so, understanding that, grace gives the opportunity for growth. It absolutely means that we're not so constantly on trial that we can't go forward. Um, Great, great truth in that. Second of all, not only does grace provide opportunity for growth, but second of all, it's a, necessi- it's a necessary component to go with growth. So I mean by that, preacher. If I can enunciate my words, I'll explain to you. Look in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You know this verse, but think of it in the context of what I'm teaching you tonight. Verse 14 gives a description of Jesus Christ. John 1.14 makes a statement, and the Word was made what? Flesh and dwelt among us. In what condition did He dwell among us? And what could, could those who saw Him, what could they perceive? And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Two things. Grace and what? Truth. I said that grace provides opportunity for growth, and I also say to you it's a necessary component to go with Truth. You say, why is that? Because if all you have is truth without grace attached to it, at best you'll be obnoxious and at worst you'll actually be damaging. Pastor Clarence Sexton said years ago, I heard him in a meeting and and he said, "If, if our convictions are not coupled with love, all we do is make people angry. That was very instructive. That was an entire instructive message. He preached on woe unto the shepherds. One of the single most convicting messages I've ever said under my life. And woe unto the shepherds. And he went through back to Jeremiah, Lamentation and such, where God was rebuking the pastors and shepherds for not taking care of the flock properly. And Brother Sexton didn't come across with a condemning, I'm better than you matter. He just opened the Scripture and said, here's what it says. Is this what we're doing as men of God? 
Oh my goodness. I've had, I've had sermons take the hide off of me when I've needed hide taken off. That one didn't take the hide off of me. It reached in and grabbed my heart and just cut it open. Yeah. Amen. What, what, what is this? It's necessary to go with truth. The Bible says we are supposed to speak the truth in a certain manner. How are we supposed to speak it? In love. It doesn't mean you need to be sappy. Do you know talking all funny and doing your hands, that doesn't equal love. It just makes you look weird, okay? It, it, but love means you proportion the truth timing-wise and delivery-wise so that you don't damage somebody. That takes a great deal of wisdom and a willing heart to learn how to do it. And it's necessary component to go with truth. Um, there was a church one time that handed out t-shirts at the back of the church when people got angry. And it said, I was offended at such and such church. And they gave out a t-shirt that said that. And it said to you, that wasn't the smartest thing I've ever heard of happening. But catch the word on what we use in the sentence. They took great pride in the fact that they were so right-wing they could offend people. Did you catch the word in the sentence? Right. Now we have had people leave the service here before because they became angry at what was preached. I do not want somebody to leave the service because they have been treated improperly. If me pointing out that sin is sin and calling sin by name is so offensive someone feels like they can't stay and listen to it, they'll have to make that choice. If me believing that Christ is the only means of salvation and there's not any other, if that bothers somebody, it's going to have to bother. But the attitude towards the people and and, and, and that should never be a one that uh, is, is saying, well, you don't like it, there's a highway. See, truth and, and grace have to go together. Are you ready for this? The Israel. When God was on the mountain and He was speaking to Moses and He spoke where the people could hear Him, they finally came to Moses and said, let God speak to you. We can't hear Him. They, they, they said they couldn't stand to hear the voice of God. It was so powerful and convicting to them. Now listen to this. If God spoke to us directly and we really looked at what applies to us personally, we can barely bear up under it. And the only reason we can is because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and we know that we have His, His grace to stand. That's not just preacher talk. That's not just somebody you know trying to... Uh, look, um, boy, truth and grace have to go together. So it said truth, uh, grace provides opportunity for growth. It said grace is a necessary component to go with truth. Talking tonight about ministering grace. In our speech... Do we combine the two? Well, that's just truth. They need to accept it. Here's another truth. You're supposed to speak the truth in love. If you're one of those and you... Well, that's just truth. Okay, then can you handle... Here's just truth for you, my brother, my sister. You ready? Since you like things that way, here's just truth for you. It's sinful for you to be harsh and mean. Now, that's truth. If you like truth, just put it out there. That's truth. Because we need grace to go with truth. And uh, God help us to do that. Number three, grace covers a multitude of wrong and doesn't advertise failings. Not talking about endorsing sin, not talking about not dealing with something that needs dealt with or going to the right person about something that needs dealt with, 
But grace covers a multitude of wrong and doesn't advertise failings. Um, more resentment. And I, I just sat and thought a while and I wrote this out exactly how I wanted it. More resentment and bitterness comes into marriages over a failure in this area than you can even imagine. I mean, long-term resentment. Listen to me. I, I will save somebody a lot of future heartache if you will just listen to me right now. I'm talking about when people come and there's such a wall of division between them and you start trying to figure out what in the world's going on, you'll find that that wall was built brick by brick by little uh, inattentions, by little things that are done, and not least in what I see on a common basis with these situations is this thing of people advertising the failings and the weaknesses of their spouse. Um, please don't put your spouse's your siblings, your children's, your parents' weaknesses and failings on display. I have watched before. Praise God. There you go. Thank you. There's power in praise. Um, I have watched before. Somewhere, somewhere out here, there's a squirrel going. Mm. <laughs> he just grounded out. <laughs> Amen. And uh, there you go. <laughs> Pray for power. That's what we were taught. Um, we'll call 911 right now. Um, but I, people, uh, people will, will go. I, I've taught over the years that sometimes people will have a uh, loved one who's not in church. And uh, especially uh, th- this will happen, husband, wife, and that sort of thing. And that spouse that's out of church, the one that's in church, will go around every time they come to church telling everybody what that spouse is doing wrong. And I beg people, please don't do that. You're making it almost impossible for that person to come back into church again. Um, You know, if you go around and tell people what a terrible kid you've got and what their failings are, and they're sitting there talking in front of you, you're talking to people, and you turn around and say, yeah, let me tell you what they do. My friends, I'm going to speak truthfully and lovingly to you. Not only do you look ignorant when you do it, but you damage that person. Did you think you were fixing something by doing that? No, you didn't. Anybody's got sense enough to know that doesn't fix anything. So what you were doing was either belittling them or building yourself up with it. Whatever it may be, it's not of the Spirit of God. I would never take whatever I know about my wife, her being a lady and us having known each other as long as we have, I would never take anything that I perceive to be a weakness or something and broadcast it out. And she wouldn't do that to me if I had any. (laughs) Why you laugh? You hurt me when you laugh. My inner child is having nightmares over this. But (laughs) don't advertise these things. Let me show you this. My goodness, what an instructive verse. Look in 1 Peter chapter 4. Please turn there and look at this. Give it your full attention. I literally can save you marital trouble down the road if you'll listen. 
I can save you resentment between, between, between family members if you listen to me. You start finding out the weaknesses when and, and then you start picking at them in public. Don't do that. That builds real resentment. It gets very bad and ugly. First Peter chapter 4. Um, let me join you there. I dropped off there. James, and didn't get past it. First Peter chapter 4. Look carefully at this passage which uh, tells you what I'm, I'm trying to explain here. Um, look in verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Now watch the next verse. And above all things. Now anybody think this is going to be something really important it's going to tell you here? Above all things, have fervent charity. You have this, it, it, it's alive. It's, it's, the, it's the love of God expressed to other people, but it's fervent. You're, you're active in it. Among yourselves, look at the verse, church. I'm teaching you something doctrinal. For charity shall cover the multitude of what? It doesn't mean it's brushing a rug. doesn't mean it doesn't act like sin doesn't happen. doesn't mean you don't deal with it. It means that you cover it. And, and listen, it's amazing. I'm amazed at the lack of decorum and the lack of common sense that people display. They just come in and tell you about everything. You can be in a, in a line at a store hollering across the assured clear distance and, and talking and somebody will turn around and God help you. If you've all probably run into these things, somebody before you can get checked out, uh, they've told you their whole life history and what a loser their spouse was and what a terrible thing their kids are and they're anybody ever get stuck in line with something like that it just oh my goodness it's like really that's not charity the wife is supposed to reverence her husband and what part and what part of reverencing is pointing out weakness run them down in somebody's eyes the husband is supposed to love his wife even as Christ loves the church. Amen. Where in this whole universe did Christ go and display all the weakness He knows about us? Well, you know my wife. No, but I know her husband and she must be a lady of great patience. <laughs> you better be glad grace is mixed with truth right now. Trust me. Grace covers a multitude wrong and doesn't advertise failings. Learn that early. <laughs> Sitting there and husband doing something and something happens and people run. Oh, he always does that. He's always messing something up. Really? You are damaging a relationship. You can break a marriage that way. You can, you can choose not to believe me, but I think if I had somebody in front of me who's been in the gospel ministry over 38 years, has been pastoring in 27 and a half years and deals with other churches and other pastors, he might know a little bit about this sort of thing. You have your areas you deal with in your lives that you may know more than I do, but I'm going to tell you when it comes to seeing relationships and seeing what ends up either building them or breaking them, I've got a little bit of experience at it. And more importantly, I have the Word of God about it. And it is very hard to undo because if once you build that tension, what's going to have to happen there? Someone's going to have to get to real deep down Christianity with a thing called forgiveness matched with communication or it won't ever get right. Amen. 
Real forgiveness. Not surface stuff. Real forgiveness. And so, grace covers a multitude of wrong and doesn't advertise failings. I'll tell you one thing I love about several of my preacher brethren that I, that I, I say I run with. I don't get to see them that often. Brother Cox is a good case in point with this. Uh, Brother Jenkins does the same thing. Brother Bob does the same thing. I, and, and Brother Terrell, when he's a pastor, did the same thing. We'll laugh sometimes. or Every now and then we'll have a situation that we'll talk a little bit about among ourselves. It's interesting. I found all these men do the same thing I do. They don't use people's names and stuff in case you get to meet that person. But we may talk to each other out of situation. What have you seen? You understand that we could be a help to one another. But that's not the main conversation. It's so funny. The men will come here and preach and they'll say, we haven't discussed what to preach. Your preacher hasn't told me about you. Do you know why? Because those men do the exact thing I love. You get talking to them. Brother Cox will be talking and say, boy, i got some good people. i tell you what. Let me tell you about this one, what they did. He came up here right after having a, a, a young man that he led to Christ, that he trained, and who he hired on staff. This young man took all the teenagers, he was entrusted with the teen church, a big bunch of teens, took them in a room, shut off all the PAs, said don't record anything, spent 45 minutes telling the, those teenagers why their pastor couldn't be trusted and why they shouldn't listen to him. Somebody slipped out and got somebody and said, Brother Cox, you got to know what's going on. This was a young man. He led to Christ himself, baptized. And, all that. and, turned, and then the guy got a, got a sign that stood along the road trying to, trying to run him down. I didn't find out about that till later. You know Brother Cox came? He said, let me tell you something good going on. He said, hey, here's, here's how he said it to me. I've got a new fellow who's worked with our teens, and boy, I tell you, he's done a great thing. Since he's been in there the last three or four months, We've had this. And boy, we got some teenagers who want to serve the Lord. He didn't mention the other. I said, Brother Cox, I said, what happened? You know, I said, you got there? And he said, oh, we had a little trouble. And he never got more detail. Yeah, he kind of went in there. It was pretty bad, Brother Manny. You know, he called me everything but a skunk. Because <laughs> he went on the internet, lied about me and all this. And uh, he said that, uh, I said, man, that stuff takes. He goes, ah, he goes, Lord, take care of it. He goes, I'm scared for his family and him. He goes, his wife and kids. He says, got some good kids. I'd like to. Do you see what I'm saying? That's that, that's charity. So grace provides opportunity for growth. Grace is a necessary component to go with truth. Grace covers a multitude of wrong, doesn't advertise, and then grace is saving. For by grace ye are what. And it's not only kept out of hell. Thank God for that. But that's not the end of it. Saving is also salvaging. God is not only, not only keeps us out of hell, but He also makes us fitted for His service. He restores us to a point of usefulness in our lives. Salvaging. Getting the most you can out of something and making it work again like it, what it was made to do. Grace is saving. It gives a, gives a position of acceptance and security. It works to build, encourage, and exhort. Um, a position of acceptance and security doesn't mean that you don't correct. Kids, don't get your hopes up. That doesn't mean that you don't discipline if you need to. I'm very secure in God, but I'm paraphrasing the Bible, youngins. 
The Bible says if I, as a Christian man, decide to disobey my Heavenly Father, He'll whoop the fire out of me. Yeah, now that's the pastor's paraphrase version. Um, but the, but that acceptance doesn't mean, you know, when you're doing stuff that's wrong, it's okay. But acceptance means that you know that your standing is never in, 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 uh, in, in jeopardy with that. Then it works to build, encourage, and exhort. It's grace does. You grow in grace. I'll ask you a question I asked about two years ago to our men. I had a couple of fellows say it had a very dynamic effect on them. Would you like to work for a boss who talked to you like you talk to your kids? Would you like to work for a boss who talked to you like you talk to your kids? Do you train? Do you instruct? Or do you just threaten? I need young Mr. Darren, if you would. And... Uh, Give you an example of what I'm talking about. Young Mr. Darren comes along, and for some reason, he's a curious young man, and I'm his dad right now, okay? And I come in to the church auditorium, and uh, I see him. <laughs> just stay there, man. I come in, and he's up on the furniture. <laughs> are you doing? Get down from there right now. Don't you know better than that? This is the house of God. Did anybody ever treat you anything? How come you have no respect at all? <laughs> Let me give you an alternative. I like the little squeak. That was a nice little, you're good at this. Huh? Lord, have mercy on my son. He's an idiot. Darren. Fishing? <laughs> Tell me what you're doing here. What are you doing? I'm looking at the baptistry. All right. Is it a good idea to be up on the, on the chairs? No, sir. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? You lean too hard on that plastic. I'll fall in. <laughs> yeah. Look at the flower. You knocked it off. Put the flower back up where it goes. Okay. There are doors on either side. You can see the baptistry. You can go up in there. Right? And if I catch you up there again, I'm going to drop you. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Really? You see it? Let's, let's not do that again. Now, eight out of ten times, that'll take care of it. Suppose it doesn't. I'm going to illustrate but not do it. You just got swatted. It's a jump, you got swatted. Get down. Not again, understand? Disclaimer, no children were injured in the making of this podcast. <laughs> Can you see the great contrast of the two things? So, well, he knows better than that. What does that have to do with the behavior pattern? We'll take that as a word of testimony. Um, 
Here's the verse that goes well with it. Look in Acts chapter 20. By the way, that first screaming approach. Do you, do you think it does any good? Or how many times does that have to happen before nobody's listening anymore? Because no matter what happens, you're going to get yelled at anyway, so might as well go for broke. And are you really yelling at them because you're trying to fix something? Are you yelling at them because you're frustrated, angry, and don't know how to deal with your own inner what's happening inside of me? My friends, in grace, you can grow. And you can learn. And as you learn, you'll be able to minister grace. But see, you're not a finished product yet either. And your Heavenly Father's not done with you. So just because you've blown it up to this point on different things, or you look back and say, oh, I have a habit, that doesn't mean you have to go forward having the same problem. But some people's lives may depend on it. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The word of grace can build you up. It, is, it will give you an inheritance and it will set you apart. Ministering grace the capacity to communicate, the ability to, to, to use language, communication, is a great gift from God. And uh, many, many of God's people have not had a good role in front of them how to do it. They've picked up some very bad ideas of how to do things. But through God's power and God's Word, you can learn to do it the right way. And when you do, there's a lot of people who are going to be benefited by what you learn. Let's pray together, all right? Father, thank You for the Word of God. May Your people be open-hearted before You and let You actually do what You need to inside. God, may we just be real with You to get things as they ought to be, please. Amen. Let's stand together, please, if You would. Why don't You come on the first